Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. That's like changed the way that I live my life even today is that if I can trust that if I'm doing my part, the Lord will do his. Uh, I think that's also kind of helped me not sweat the little things or, or things that I can't control as much because I can, every night before I go to bed, I say my prayers and say like, Heavenly Father, today as a missionary, I did everything that I could do. And yeah, we taught one lesson in 12 hours, but I know that I did my part and I know that you will do yours or that you have done yours. And so I like, I can go to bed like happy and peaceful. Hello and welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. How's it going? Going great. (laughs) We are pleased to be joined by Vance Johnson, who we are just discovering. Vance also hosted a podcast. Vance, what was the name of your podcast? The podcast I hosted was called Among the First. Ooh. And it's actually a funny story. I, I wanted to be in a band all growing up, and I wanted the band to be called Among the First, but... I'm not musically talented enough to make a band myself. And so I thought, I'll call my podcast Among the First so I could still have a logo and stuff. What, what, where does Among the First come from? What, what inspired you? So crazy, actually, I think it came from the MTC because in my, now this is kind of a weird segue or not a segue, but it's like, this is your story. it's kind of like it's a, a mission, coincidence. Yeah. yeah. That in the MTC, I think um, Richard G. Scott, Elder Scott was speaking at one of the devotionals and, uh, and he said something, something, he said among the first, for some reason, like you're among the first of, you know, this group of missionaries to do this, or you're going to be the first to do this or something. I can't remember exactly. And you know, that like joke where you hear something cool and you're like band name called it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought among the first, that sounds so cool. And so I wrote it in my journal and like for my whole mission, I was like, I'm going to make a band called among the first when I get back and it's going to be like pop punk or a hardcore band and, um, never did, but made a podcast. Everybody wants to, you know, like be famous and like be a musician full time. But I went to before my mission, and this is kind of telling me a little bit, telling you guys a little bit about who I was before, but I went to concerts all the time, literally like weekly or more. Often I was going to shows at like little tiny clubs or big venues. And these guys just like roll in in a 15 passenger van that are on tour, you know, touring the whole country. They get to see the whole country and they just like hang out with their friends, hang out with their bros all the time. And they just go and play awesome music and they grab some tacos and then they go to the next city. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that lifestyle seemed really, really fun as the 17 year old. Yeah. That really, nomadic. Really yeah. Seeing the world type deal. That, right. that does sound fun. And uh, yeah, I just really like going to shows. And so I thought playing shows would be fun too. So before we dive into it, I mean, I got to know what, if I had, if you, I mean, what is your favorite band of all time? You had to tell me. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's a tough question for anybody, but my favorite band of all time is called Senses Fail. Okay, I've actually heard of them. I'm going to write this down. Senses Fail. And I've only ever been to two concerts in my life. I, I love music. I went to the Aquabats. Okay, I've been um, seeing them. And then to the uh, the Format. Nice. I'm try- yeah, it was before they became fun. fun. And in the, with the Format, it was so small. Like, I think it was the singer's birthday or something. And they like gave everybody in the audience cake. <laughs> like nice. it was really weird. Where do you remember where? Oh it was? man, I, I couldn't tell you. I went with, uh, I think I went with my uncle. It was a, a teeny tiny club in Phoenix, like 
super small, like no bigger than this room. Yeah. I've been to a bunch of shows that small. Those, those are really, really fun though. Yeah. That intimate setting. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is we haven't ever talked about it much and like we're, we're not even jumping into the mission yet, but the mission changes your, your music preference for the rest of your life. I'd say at least, <laughs> he at just raised his eyebrows. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I came home listening to hymns. And <laughs> I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, and it definitely did change some of the things that I listened to, at least, you know, the more explicit stuff I, I steer away from more than I did before. Um, but, and maybe I'll get into this a little bit later. Maybe we'll have a chance, but I learned on my mission that leaning into what makes you unique allows you to be a better member missionary. Totally. Absolutely. And, and normal missionary. And, well, yeah. And a normal missionary. And so I think I found somebody in, I served in Paraguay. I found somebody in Paraguay that the only person I ever met and he had a, a Blink-182 sticker on his car and he was wearing a shirt for a band called A Day to Remember. You've heard of them. Love them. And I lost my mind. I knocked <laughs> on his door every day for no weeks really? until I finally found him. Like he, there's never home or whatever. And I found him and uh, he, he let us talk to him for a few minutes and we like counted it as a lesson, but it didn't really go anywhere. And, uh, but yeah, I... I know that that was the only reason he let us in. And so even if that's his only experience with missionaries up yeah. to this point, next time he sees a missionary, maybe he'll be like, oh, they, they're like know. the normal people that yeah. like normal music. Exactly. We, we could have something in common. Exactly. So you put in your, your mission papers, which means you, you put in an application to the church that, you know, you're worthy and that you're healthy and that you're, you're ready to go serve a mission. You get your mission papers or you get, you get a mission call back and you open it up and you're probably surrounded by family and friends probably in your living room or something. Yep. And you read the Paraguay Asuncion mission. Uh-huh. Did I say that right? You did. Yep. What were your thoughts? Uh, at first, I i mean, I had no idea where Paraguay was. I don't think I had ever heard of it. And if I had, I didn't remember. I remember reading that, not knowing where it was, seeing that I was speaking Spanish and thinking like, yes, I love Mexican food. <laughs> and obviously it's nothing like that. And I learned that very quickly. Um, but... Yeah, I was just pumped to to go somewhere. I really did want to speak Spanish. I think just growing up in Arizona, I was around a lot of of Spanish speakers. And I mean, I worked some construction summer jobs, you know, and I, I wanted to be able to communicate with those kind of mm-hmm. people. And Definitely useful skill. Yeah. And so I, I was pumped, but I, I didn't really know anything about it. So when you when you heard Paraguay, I kind of, Asuncion? Asuncion. Asuncion. Uh, what did you think in your head? Like, what did it, what did, did you think it was jungle, desert? Like, yeah. what did you think it was? I definitely thought it would be like jungle. Like, really? like kind of like Brazil. I, I assume I'd never been to Brazil, but I assume that, you know, I'd have a machete in my the backpack. The church issues a, <laughs> yeah. a machete. Exactly. I, I thought for sure that I would. That's, that's what I thought. It's crazy because I'm looking at it right now and it's a big city. Yeah. It looks like a big city on a river. That's crazy. So you go to the MTC and then... After hours and hours of being on an airplane, you land in your mission Mm -hmm. and now you have to teach people and talk to everyone probably in Spanish. Like what was that, that like trying to preach the gospel or just live in a different country in a different language? So I remember stepping off the plane for the first time and like the heat and the humidity just smacks you in the face and it was rough. Um, I was sweating as soon as I got off the plane and, and, uh, I remember driving from the airport to the mission office, which 
our mission office and mission home, like where the president lived, were totally different places. So I'll say office, but um, the drivers were insane. <laughs> I, I mean, I never got behind the wheel for two years, right? But like uh-huh. traffic was nuts. And I was so glad that I wasn't the one driving. We like went to the mission home, uh, had dinner with mission president who luckily was an American, spoke mm-hmm. English because I, you know, nine months in the MTC and, or nine weeks, sorry, in the MTC. <laughs> and I didn't speak Spanish very well if at all. And, and so it was nice to speak English. And then the next day we got assigned our companions and we went and we got to the area and my companion was like, all right, let's go out and work. And so we started walking around and people just, it's hotter inside their house than mm-hmm. outside, mm-hmm. right? Cause the houses are just made of like brick and, and mud. There's <laughs> like, you're lucky if there's a window there. Exactly. <laughs> and so these people are just sitting in the front yard and we just walk up to this, like this guy and his wife or guy and his friend, I can't remember sitting in their front yard in these chairs. And my companion just like assumes the sale, you know, just like sits down next to him in like two open chairs. And I just followed his lead <laughs> and we just started teaching these people in the street. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm it. doing it. This is missionary work. This is so sick. I can't wait to tell my parents about this. And then like, we never saw that guy again. Yeah. You know, it was like 10 minutes. He wasn't interested. We just like moved on. Um, but the Spanish that I heard on the streets of Paraguay was <laughs> not the Spanish that yeah. I was taught. I know that's like cliche to say, but 100% that's <laughs> so accurate. Um, is it like, is it just every, every, you know, parts of different countries have different slang and different kind of, what's the word dialects? Was it kind of like that, like accents. a dialect or, or like, like an accent or what, what was so different? So Paraguay actually has two official languages um, that like, if you, if you Google Paraguay official languages, it says Spanish and Guarani. Oh yeah. yeah. And Guarani is like a, it's nothing like Spanish. It's uh, like a native, kind of like Native American, you know, like yeah, Indians, yeah. but Indians in Paraguay, natives from Paraguay from years and years ago um, that they continue to teach in schools. And so almost everybody in Paraguay speaks both Spanish and Guarani. And because it's so ingrained in their culture, they speak them together. They speak yeah. both at the same time. Both at the same time. And they, yeah. call it, <laughs> they call it Jopara, which literally means like mixture. And, and so they just mixed their Spanish and their Guarani. And at first I couldn't tell when the words they would say were in Spanish or in Guarani. It just all sounded like jumbled to me. Wow. And so it took forever to figure out when they were speaking Spanish and when they were speaking Guarani. And if they threw in a word that I really didn't understand, I had to assume that wasn't Spanish. So did they prepare you for that in the MTC or it's all of a sudden you? you're just like, that is different. <laughs> so people told us that they speak Guadani in Paraguay and the church does have a Guadani Book of Mormon, but they do not teach it because the majority of people, like 90% of people speak both. It was rare to run, not super rare, but it was rare to run into someone that did not speak only Spanish, spoke Guadani. that only spoke Guadani, but, um, but yeah, they don't teach it in MTC. So like if you learned, if you learned Spanish perfectly, they would understand you, but if they spoke their mixture you're still lost. Correct. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, like put us in your shoes. Like I imagine you're really frustrated or maybe. Did you have an uh, American trainer that kind of broke it to you a little easier? Or, or yeah. could they not speak the language either? Or? It's kind of funny. Um, I did have an American trainer that spoke Spanish really, really well. And he had been in the mission for about a year, I think, if I remember correctly at this point. And so at that point, pretty much all the missionaries can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And you learn lots of Guadani words that you just throw in your, your Spanish. It just becomes like, it kind of like pigeonholes you into this Spanish that only Paraguayans understand. And so, um, but it worked, you know, when you're in Paraguay. And so 
he did. He helped me out a lot and kind of, he did most of the talking, you know, 90% of the talking for the first little while. And then as I started to get more comfortable, I, I was not putting Guadani words into my Spanish, but most of the people understood and almost everyone speaks both. And so it wasn't a big deal. It's just so much their tradition and culture to speak both at the same time. Gotcha. Your, your mission, is it the entire country or was there like different missions within Paraguay there? Yeah, there are multiple missions there. When I first got there, there was Paraguay Asuncion, which was my mission. And then there was Asuncion North. Okay. And so technically they covered the North and we covered the South. But so you, like did you ever share a border with uh, Brazil or anything like that? Um, my mission did, but my areas never did. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I had companions that did. It's funny. I had a bunch of, uh, companions again from the South and they would always talk about going to Paraguay and Uruguay and, the. Uh, buying like Nikes and stuff like that, <laughs> but oh, yeah. you're nodding your head. What, what's, oh, yeah. but they would like throw them in the river, uh, up the river. So you could cross customs and then go pick them up when they floated oh, back wow. down. So yeah, but you'd buy like Adidas, but they'd be spelt with three D's A D D D I A. Like, so yeah, t tell us a little bit about that. Some of the cultural phenomenons there in, yeah. in Paraguay. Um, so Paraguay has like a famous black market. They call it like Mercado Negro where they, um, yeah, where you can buy stuff that's like knockoff. Sometimes it's real. Um, there's a rumor that said that they had like the iPhone five in Paraguay before anybody else, which I can't imagine that's actually true, but that was a pretty, that's common. how good the black market was. <laughs> yeah. Some people right. actually believe that. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. No, it's crazy though. Like I saw an iPhone legit. I don't know. One of the first gen iPhones that was like shrunken. Yeah. It would look like a pocket, like a toy. But it, it was an actual working cell phones. And they yeah. said they got it from, I don't know if it was Uruguay or Paraguay. But yeah. Well, pretty much you can walk down the street in Paraguay and in, I mean, I serve most of my time in the capital, but there's like these shops, you know, that you're walking down the street and, and you'll see like five red shirts. They're the exact same red shirt. One has a Nike logo. One has an Adidas logo. One has a Puma logo. Oh. And you're like, they all cost the same, <laughs> like a dollar. You know, they're all super, super cheap. And you're like, there's no way that's real. My, my companion, I one time found like this guy selling Volcom shirts and I had never seen like Volcom's really popular in Arizona or yeah, in yeah, the yeah. U S I had never seen Volcom there and they were crazy cheap and super high quality. And like the tags looked the same, <laughs> really? the logo looked the same. And so we bought a bunch of them and I brought them home and I still to this day, I, I'm not sure if they were fake or real. Really? That's how good <laughs> they were. So let's talk about this for a second. Cause as missionaries, everybody has like, or a lot of different missions have like these little subcultures. Like Jordan talked about collecting ties yes. on his mission. I collected some ties, uh, coconut rings and, mm. and like watches. Like in Brazil, you could buy like a Breitling or a Rolex watch, obviously fake. Yeah. What was, was there any like little micro cultures in your mission of people who collected certain items? Uh, soccer jerseys were really big. Oh, deal. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think. I don't think there was anything kind of like what you guys were saying, um, but everybody had a bunch of soccer jerseys. I think I came home with like 12 or 15 <laughs> soccer jerseys that I almost immediately just got rid of because they were cheap and, yeah. you know, um, but I still have a couple, but yeah, I think soccer jerseys were a real big deal. We weren't, we didn't get to play a lot like soccer with, with our, you know, other missionaries and stuff, but just wearing them around the house at nights. So we like love to collect soccer jerseys. At least I did. Nice. So let's get into some of the experiences you had. Tell us about some of the people and maybe their journeys and how they showed faith and how that rubbed off on you. Sure. Um, so one of the coolest experiences I had um, with faith uh, was in my first area. There was a guy that 
a little, a little bit of backstory. In my first area, my companion and I had a real hard time with not getting along. We got along great, just working, yeah. um, having success, you know, whatever, quote unquote success. But um, at one point we had prayed, we were in like weekly planning or something. And we had prayed and we decided to like go into the area book and look for somebody that had been taught in the past, but then never progressed and figure out why and try to go revisit them. And so we found this guy's name, Jose Avila. And uh, my companion and his previous companion before I got there had taught him like one time, but missionaries before them had spent more time teaching him. And pretty much he was a golden investigator from day one. He came to church a couple of times, but his wife was like, nope, we're Catholic. We're Catholic. That's it. Yeah. You know? And that's so, always the answer. Exactly. <laughs> and so. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I'll go to church now. <laughs> right. And so he did, he never progressed. Um, we went and found him. He's like this, uh, he, I was 19 at the time. He had an 18 year old son. He was like in his low forties or maybe upper thirties, low forties. Um, super active, like good looking guy. Like he played soccer all the time, played ball. He was like just an awesome, awesome dude. Had a couple of kids. He was married, which was uncommon, um, for people in Paraguay. Cause you just like, you know, you just live with your girlfriend yeah. and you have kids and you just like stay together forever. Um, but he was married, which was a, was a big deal. And so we started teaching him again and he was very receptive. Again, he started coming to church again. And so we, you know, followed the course and, and invited him to be baptized. And he said, I would love to be baptized, but my wife just, she's not, she's not into it. You know, she won't let me. Um, and in preach my gospel, it says, don't baptize a husband or, you know, a spouse. If the other spouse is like definitely against it, mm -hmm. like just, it's, we don't it's, want to break up families. Exactly. It's more important that the family stays together and happy than, than this one person gets baptized today. And so we kind of like visited him every couple of weeks just because he was awesome and he always let us in, but he just wasn't progressing. Um, one time we invited him to church and it was just a normal Sunday. He comes to church with us because he almost always did. And our mission president was there randomly at our sacrament meeting, which was in this little tiny ward. And he was randomly there with a member of the area presidency oh, that wow. had visited from Argentina just to come to this ward don't know why. Like, we still don't know why they spoke afterwards. Um, we were talking to our mission president and he was like, who's this investigator? And we introduced him or whatever. And so they talked for a minute. And then, um, my mission president talked to me and I was a junior companion. I was still like my first or second transfer. And he said, elder Johnson, next lesson you have with him, I want you to call me so that I can come to this lesson, which your mission president. Is far mission away. president. <laughs> yeah. So he lives probably an hour and a half away. Okay. And so he's like, I want to be in the next lesson, which like blew my mind, right? My, my companion, after I told him, he's like, no way. The president said that. And I'd like, be sweating. He did. He wants to be there. And so um, we scheduled a lesson that day for like the next Tuesday. And we brought the stake president to the Tuesday lesson because president, mission president couldn't come. Thursday, uh, mission president came and we talked about the word of wisdom. Um, Jose accepted it like without any issue. He wasn't like an alcoholic, but he had a you know, beer every once in a while mm -hmm. or whatever. He's like, that's fine. I can give it up. And, um, mission president invited him to be baptized. And he, Jose was like, I told these guys before I would love to be baptized, but my wife is not with it. You know, she, she doesn't agree. And the mission president kind of like sat back. And then he said, Jose, I promise you, if you get baptized, even without telling your wife, she will come around. Hmm. And we were like, Oh, like, what are you saying? Gosh. Man? Like you're, you're breaking, <laughs> preach my gospel. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so we talked to him afterwards and we're like, can we even do that? And, and Jose said, okay. Jose was like, all right. Like if you say so, I trust you. 
Wow. And so we put him on date, like we got him a, a baptismal date for a week or two later. And, and, uh, the mission president just promised us that, that it, everything would be fine. So a couple of weeks later, Jose does get baptized. We try to take a picture outside of the church, but it's on a main road. He's so scared. His wife's going to drive by at any moment. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He like snuck off in a shirt and tie. <laughs> um, he got baptized, became the young men's president pretty much immediately after being baptized super active in his calling. Wow. He had always gone to church before and his wife didn't care that he went. She uh -huh. just, you know, cared and that so this whole time she doesn't know he's baptized. She's like, Oh, he's just, he's just going to church. He just goes to church with those missionaries. Interesting. Okay. Um, he's young men's president. So about six months after he gets baptized, his wife finds out, freaks out, right? Like in Guarani, she's yelling at him. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. She's yelling at him in Guarani. Um, and I'm like long gone in a different area by now. Mm -hmm. And so this was all told to me later. Um, but she freaks out. Um, Jose stops going to church because he just wants to make his wife happy. Um, about six months after she freaks out, she gets baptized. His daughter gets baptized. His other daughter gets baptized. And then, so he baptized his wife. He baptized his two daughters. He had an older son that had already kind of like had a kid with uh, his girlfriend and kind was of out of the house. Yeah, he, he didn't. Yeah, he was living on his own. Um, and so he didn't get baptized, but like, uh, two weeks after I went home from my mission. So this is like two years after I'd met Jose. Um, they got sealed as a family. So what was wow. the magic sauce that, that changed, changed his wife's heart? I, I have to imagine. I mean, the spirit of him just having, having the gift of the Holy Ghost in yeah. his house. Huh. I have to imagine that it was just, um, he was already such a nice guy, but I'm sure that the spirit like softened his heart and hers. And he just... I think that she could tell that he was putting more time into his family. You know, he played soccer a lot, played volleyball a lot with his friends. And I, I bet that he was spending more time with his family, just gotcha. being a better dad. Um, and I got to talk to him just a tiny bit right before I left. And he was just, he was the same awesome guy, but just like so much happier. Just with the blessings of the gospel too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I still keep in touch with him every once in a while, just like on Facebook messenger. And I just touched base with the uh, stake president in that area that they are, their families are super tight now. And he said, yeah, like Jose That's and awesome. Rosanna are awesome and they still go to church. And she was the Relief Society president. And Wow. So yeah. I always like pose, I try to get this question, right? So you're some little 19 year old kid from Arizona. And now all of a sudden you've, pay, you've played a part in this family's eternity. Yeah. Did that hit you like... Do, or do you, do you have an understanding of how important that is? Like even like right now? <laughs> I probably not to the extent <laughs> right. that it truly is. Yeah. I always think that's so interesting that, you know, one, you had this amazing experience with your mission president where you're like, Hey, we're kind of like going outside, you know, preach my gospel. But then all of a sudden that the, the mission president promises these blessings and that they all happen. And then all of a sudden this family's eternity is changed because of a lesson that you part, you were a part of. I think yeah. that's so awesome. Yeah. I think that's, I, sometimes I think about it and I'm just like dumbstruck, you yeah. know, at how, how eternal yeah. those like three months that I lived <laughs> in that little town were for that family and for me. Right. Um, and I just, I can't wait because you know, who knows, I hope I can get back to Paraguay someday and, and like see, you know, the family years later, mm -hmm. but if not, I just like that reuniting, um, after we pass away is just like something yeah. that I look forward to. And again, 
going all the way back, this happened because you and your companion were praying about the area book, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just again, like yeah. sometimes as missionaries, you like get in these little like funks, right? And you're like, all right, I guess we'll out. pray to see who we go see in this book, you know, flip the page or whatever. But that even those decisions and what might not feel like a revelation, right? Has an eternal aspect to it. For sure. That's so insane. When you think back as well to the missionaries that found Jose and they go home from their mission thinking, man, yeah, or I they, wish that Jose would have progressed. Oh man. Or we, we, we call it cut cortar. Like, yeah. Uh, like the investigators not progressing. We're just like, hey, we're just going to cut him. Yeah, we just drop him. Drop or, him. you know, like, yeah, those missionaries that were like, Hey, he's not progressing. Let's drop him. But the fact that they did their homework, put him in the book. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah, you know, they don't even know. <laughs> right. That, that reminds me, like, the craziest thing is, I don't know about you guys, but for me, some of the lessons that I felt the spirit, the absolute strongest, like, like my top five were like, man, like, that was, like, tangible. Like, that was a beautiful lesson. Those people didn't progress. Like, they didn't get baptized. Yeah. And it gives you hope for, like, year, you know, years or months, you know, yeah, sooner they than could, later they down could the road. could be baptized right now. They could be baptized right now. Like, there could be missionaries that are, like, looking them up, that are having a hard time, and it's just better timing. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think that's crazy. And I think that just the simple tasks of writing yeah, his diligent. name in the area book in, in Paraguay, there's no addresses for houses. And so drawing a map. So oh, really? Can, so that you can get to <laughs> That's the, awesome. You know, so that you know Jose's house is the brick house across from the field next to the house, the, the dog that barks a lot. Like you know how to get to Jose's house so that six months, a year down the road, somebody can find the people that are ready. Do you yeah. know what that timeline was? Um, like how long he had been in the book prior to you guys going back? Yes. I, I have to imagine it was like three or four months is all. Okay. But yeah. still, I mean, it was like three or four months in, in like missionary terms is like, you could be transferred and long gone. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. You'd be two hours away. Well, the missionary that had originally found him, he finished his mission in that area. So he was like back in the States already, you know, by the time that Jose had been baptized. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So... That is an awesome story. That's beautiful. And I love that we haven't talked much about the mission or the area books, but it's so important, especially as a missionary. And I guess going on a mission, you probably don't realize this, but you record everything in an area book. And so it's really easy to not write in your area book. It's kind of like the journal for the area. And it's usually the last thing you do at night before you kind of wrap things up. It's so important to update that area book. For sure. Well, and I know that like my brother served a couple years after me and you know, his whole area book is on an iPad and he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And I was like, it was, <laughs> it was. for me. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, even still, it's like the awkwardness in my hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I, I keep on going back to the whole, like by small and simple things, Yeah. right. By some elder who finished his mission in that area. He's at the very end of his mission could just be like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm checked out. But the fact that they wrote it down and then you were able to go and find them, it's like, a lot of things you do as a missionary, you don't understand the eternal consequences that they have. Even like smiling and, you know, trying to find a guy that has a Blink-182 sticker on his car, you know, yeah, like yeah. that could three, four, five years down the road could play in effect. For sure. So you, we, we always send out a little questionnaire and Vance filled it out. And the other person who had an, a, a journey that had some faith or, or that inspired you, you wrote as the chastity warrior, <laughs> the chastity warrior. That's probably the best nickname. I know, band I, name, band I'm looking name. at this paper. And I'm like <laughs> chastity warrior. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's hear this story. Yeah. So the chastity warrior. Um, so funny story about her real quick before I even get started. 
Um, her name was either Ana Maria or Maria Ana. We don't really know. She introduced herself as both multiple times to different people. We'd like bring members to her lessons and she'd say like, oh yeah, my name's Ana Maria. Or she'd say Maria Ana. We never really found out. We find <laughs> Maybe like she we doesn't were, even know. When we were filling out her like baptismal paperwork, um, spoiler alert, she, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what it was, but we just said, well, hopefully that's right. <laughs> hopefully the Lord understands. Yeah. But yeah, so the chastity warrior, this is a lady that my companion and I found. I'm nearing the end of my mission. My companion and I are zone leaders in this like, this um, kind of farming community out in the middle of nowhere. And our area was gigantic. And so he and I were actually in the MTC together. And so we were like really pumped that we were companions. And one time we walked out super far and we found this little tiny wooden like shack, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, literally like miles and miles of farm fields all around. We're like, let's go knock on that door. So we find this little tiny lady um, and we start teaching her and of course we can't sit down with her because she lives alone, but we had one member that the closest member was kind of far, but still close enough. We went and grabbed him, ran back to her house because she was willing to sit down and have a lesson with us right then. And he was available. We sit down, we start teaching her. Um, we get through the lesson. She's very receptive. She walks all the way to church. It probably took her an hour to walk to church. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, just super cool, really receptive to the gospel. And we get to the law of chastity lesson and we say like, you know, are you married? Are you dating anyone? I would say maybe she's like in her thirties living alone. And she goes, I do have a boyfriend that, you know, we don't live together, but he comes by, you know, he stays here sometimes for the weekend or whatever, when he's not working. And so we're like, okay, we teach her a lot of chastity. And of course that means like you have to abstain from any sexual relations until you're married. And so it's like, are you interested in getting married? Like, is that something that's in your plans? She goes, I don't think so. Like, I don't think that we'll get married. And so we're like, Hey, the law of chastity says that you, you can't do those things anymore with him. Are you willing to live? You know, we promised her the blessings that will come from in. Are you willing to live the law of chastity? And she says, yes, I'm willing to live the law of chastity. So like, okay, awesome. So we left total faithful that, that she would be able to do it. You know, um, having no idea the temptations that would come to her, um, find out later. I can't remember a week or, or, you know, a couple of days later, the next time we see her, um, we just say like, Hey, how's it going? Have you seen your boyfriend? If you talk to him about it, you know, about this thing that we taught you the law of chastity. And she said that one of the nights he had come to her house, kind of inebriated, a little bit drunk, yeah. knocking on the door, trying to sleep with her in the middle of the night. And she, I would say maybe she's five foot tall oh, and really? I never met her boyfriend. I have to imagine he's taller than her though. And just this big drunk guy that, you know, they're dating, they are in a relationship and they had been doing those things before. And she held the door shut in the <laughs> middle of the night until he went away. And so from that day on, like my companion, his name was elder call. He and I were just like, she is the chastity warrior. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She was so cool. And we just like, were so pumped when she told us that and she didn't end up getting baptized. Um, she moved away quickly, pretty soon after she got baptized. Um, but, and I had moved to a different area, but she had ended up calling the, the missionaries from the area, you know, my area and said like, Hey, do you know of the church near this address? And we were able to get her in and the missionaries over there said that she started coming. And so sweet. Yeah. It was awesome. Chastity that warrior. Awesome. And that, that's a interesting, it's always interesting teaching the law of chastity to someone, but especially in that situation where like she accepted it, but her boyfriend didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's, that's a shock. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't even imagine you know, if I was that boyfriend, if, if all of a sudden I was doing <laughs> yeah. something and she's like, 
not anymore. Like that yeah. would be tough for yeah. him, I'm sure. Maybe but, maybe he just got baptized and then they got married and yeah, that's, who knows? That's maybe <laughs> that'd, that'd be awesome. So you're a 19 year old kid. You leave on your mission. Um, you've had good good examples. Um, your dad, your grandparents to get you out the door while you're serving. How did your relationship with your heavenly father change throughout your mission? I think, I mean, that's a pretty deep question. One of the, one of the ways I think that it changed was that, um, I needed to rely on him more. I think growing up, having lots of LDS friends, you know, having a family that was super active in the church, I, I didn't have a hard life. Kind of in a little bubble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wasn't tempted super often. I kind of like just no around. pounding on your door. Exactly. <laughs> no one trying to sleep with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I really, um, I mean, I trusted, I knew that my heavenly father loved me and I knew that he wanted the best for me and I did my best to keep the commandments, but I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't tempted a ton and not that I was like tempted on my mission, but I truly was struggling. You know, I had like hard things going on, working all day, never teaching a person, you know, or never even getting someone to stop and talk to us. Um, and so learning to truly trust in my heavenly father, that if I do the work, then he'll fill in the gaps, um, was huge for me. And I think that's, that's like changed the way that I live my life even today is that if I can trust that if I'm doing my part, the Lord will do his. And uh, I think that's also kind of helped me not sweat the little things or, or things that I can't control as much because I can, every night before I go to bed, I say my prayers and say like, Heavenly Father, today as a missionary, I did everything that I could do. And yeah, we taught one lesson in 12 hours, but I know that I did my part and I know that you will do yours or that you have done yours. And so I like, I can go to bed like happy and peaceful. And, and I think that's just been a, an awesome life lesson. Even, you know, as now a husband and a father, like there's lots of stuff that goes on that if I hadn't learned that lesson as a missionary, it would be extremely difficult now. Absolutely. And that reminds me of general conference in that you talked about, like, if you do your part, Lord's going to do his. And I think with the coronavirus and the, like 2020 has been a hard year for tons of people, all of us really? in, in some, some way or another. And I think it's really easy to feel like, like maybe heavenly father isn't there or doesn't care or for, for some reason, but I love that you had trust in him and may it, the, the toughest thing is the timing part of that. Yeah. But if you just say, I'm going to do my part and, and you'll take care of the rest, it'll all work out the time. It will, I, I promise you it will come, right? The blessings will come. It might take nine months. It might take 10. It might, it might be like Jose or, you know, the missionary that left, like he didn't get to see it, but the blessings came. Right. So if you look, the blessings will come for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then I was just going to ask you, you're a father now. Is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. It's a girl. What stories or what, what, what do you want to leave with her from your experience as a missionary? What does she need to know? Like you, you've shared kind of these stories about other people, but I guess why, what, what does she need to know about her dad and his mission? Ooh, I think something that I want her to know, you know, obviously she's super young. She's only 10 months old. Um, but as she grows up, I want her to know that, that I did do everything that I could. I, 
I was obedient, um, but I was myself. I, I think a lot of missionaries kind of lose themselves in the work in a bad way. And, and I met a lot of missionaries that were great. You know, they, they were obedient. They got up at 8 a.m. or at 6.30 a.m., right? And they, they started their study at 8 a.m. And, and I tried to do that as well, but I kind of just laughed off hard things, you know? And if, if my companion's running a little late, I'm not just going to get super upset and say like, we're being, you know, disobedient. Yeah. I had a companion one time that got, I was training and he got super upset with me because we, yeah, we were in a lesson past 9 p.m. And he was like, in the book, it says we have to be home at 9 p.m. And I was like, this person is going to get baptized. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. we can. I think the Lord will forgive us. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I hope that my daughter someday figures out that she can be herself. She can have unique interests. She can, she can like heavy music and still have a testimony, right? Totally. She can go to concerts and she can still love the Lord. Um, and, and I think that's something that I've really leaned into is my uniqueness and my personal like personality helped me be a better missionary. Whereas some missionaries kind of just like put on a blank, I'm a missionary and I teach and like, don't ask me about my personal life because that's not important. <laughs> yeah. Joseph Smith yeah. was a prophet, which is true. <laughs> and that's great. And, and they were doing the right thing, right? They were, they were following the rules and they were being missionaries. But yeah. Their intentions are, are, are right and beautiful. Right. It's just, it's easier to connect to a human than a robot. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. I love that you, you really put an individual spin on being a missionary. Well, it's not a spin, but because I find that to be so important. Yeah. With anybody who's going out there. I know you that you need to be yourself going along with that. I, I 100% contacted every single person I ever saw carrying a skateboard because I knew <laughs> that I could like connect with them so quickly. Yeah. And there, it didn't happen very often because there's not a lot of concrete, but, <laughs> but as soon as I saw a skateboard, I was like, we are, we have to talk to this kid because he's definitely going to listen to us. Yeah. Just give me one minute to talk about skating and then we'll, we'll transition it right into the gospel. So kind of wrapping up, reflecting back on the mission, like what do you miss the most? Oh, honestly, I talk about this. So my wife served a mission in Mexico. Um, and so she and I talk about our missions constantly, um, just kind of like similarities and the differences. And I think something that I miss, the, the one thing I miss the most is not having to worry about myself. I, I was able to forget my problems. I didn't have to worry about, you know, paying a bill. I didn't have to worry about like text messages or phone calls coming. I didn't have to take answer emails from a boss. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything. I just was able to focus on everybody else and that makes your life so easy. Yeah. Even as a parent, you know, you, you think you like dedicate your life to your kids, but there's all, you know, like you said, I, I got to pay the bill. I got to yeah, make sure there's, there's food. I got to make sure my car has gas. You know, exactly. It all adds up. Yeah. And so just being able to focus 100% on other people is, is a luxury that I, when you're not a full-time missionary, you, there's no way yeah. that you can get that. And I, I found there's like little times that you can get that, you know, like if you're a good ministering brother, you can kind of get that feeling a little bit back. Right. Yeah. You're like for two hours, I'm going to go visit for people. <laughs> and then for two hours, I don't have to worry about the emails waiting for me from my boss. I don't have to worry about filling my gas tank. I can just worry about making sure that this like semi-active elder in my ward has a good experience with the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I found that serving in, 
in your callings is, is a way to get that feeling back, but it'll never be the same as it was as a missionary. And I think that's the thing I miss mm-hmm. the most. Did you say you're in young men's right now? I'm not. I'm in the Elvish Quorum. Okay. I'm in young men's. Okay. So let's say there's a 19 year old kid out there. He just submitted his papers and they're starting to get their mission calls back and stuff like that. And he gets his mission call to the Paraguay, again, Asuncion, Asuncion. <laughs> mission. Yeah. What would be your, your final, like your, your pump up speech to this kid? What would you tell him to prepare him? You just tell him something in Guadani and the guy would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, how pay? <laughs> no, uh, I would say kind of on a less serious note, buy the best shoes you can get. Invest money in This good is shoes. good. We never talked about this. Yes. Because you're walking all the time. I would say if you're not in, like, if you haven't exercised in a while, start walking for a long time every day or hit the treadmill for a little bit. Um, just because you are going to be walking every day and that first month is going to hurt physically, like your body, my feet hurt so bad. I remember buying shoes before I left and, you know, I went to like Pomeroy's yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and they're like, yeah, $150 for a pair of shoes, but they're guaranteed. And I'm like, I'm not paying $150. <laughs> so I went to Ross and, you know, and I bought some, yeah. some dress shoes and that was one of the worst decisions totally. I ever made. And, uh, yeah. So on a less serious note, buy high quality footwear and get in shape because you're going to be walking around. Um, also you're going to be eating a lot. And so get ready for that. But on a spiritual note, I think one thing that I really wish that I had learned before is that the gospel is so simple. The, the lessons are so simple and people overcomplicate them. Um, if you can study the restoration, the story of Joseph Smith, the apostasy, um, how the church was restored literally on earth today. And if you can tell that story in five minutes, that's all you need. I learned on my mission that a lot of people, especially those in Paraguay, um, have a short attention span and they're not going to sit there talking to a stranger for an hour about something they've never even heard of Mm -hmm. something that's solely new to them. And so if you can help them feel the spirit in five minutes, they will invite you back. And, and so that's probably the biggest advice, uh, because my experience is only in Paraguay. If you're serving in Paraguay, you need to be able to bring the spirit and bring it quickly. And with that, you need to be, you need to have a spirit with you all the time. And so I think being obedient, doing your job, doing what you know to be right. Um, preparing why, you know, like when you're getting prepared and then when you're there, you will be able to bring that spirit really quickly. And that way you can kind of just like hit them with a spirit blast and then Toast with the ghost. Exactly. That's awesome. That's what, <laughs> that's what we called it. What'd you say? Toast, Toast with the ghost. Toast with the ghost. I like so that. I got to know, are you a Rockport or an Echo guy? Or I, I, I bought probably 10 pairs of shoes in my mission. Really? I, so never, you're not <laughs> a pair. I don't, I've never worn a pair of Rockports or Echoes. I had some other missionary, one of my favorite companions, Elder Call, he had the same pair of shoes his whole mission. And I was like, how in the world? <laughs> oh my Literally, goodness. I could show you pictures of my shoes that are like so torn up. Oh yeah. Like, shoemakers or like yeah, yeah. shoe repairmen that I would take my shoes to all the time. And then I would just like go try to find another cheap pair of shoes and tell they fell off. I would, it's funny. I still have my last pair of shoes cause I bring them home cause I, yeah. in young men's just to show them. And I would, I was like the typical, uh, vagabond I would as when I got to transfer I I would hope somebody left something and I found a old pair of echoes uh that I sewed back together with dental floss oh wow (laughs) like but I still have them and it's so fun but uh I do I I think that was the best um pump up speech 
you could have given a 19 year old. I think it's so, oh man, I, it's so important to, to understand how quick, uh, one people's attention spans are and two, uh, you don't have a whole lot of time yeah. to get your, your message across and look, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to bless your life. And I think as soon as people realize the, the hastiness behind that, I think it's when they can start bringing toast yeah. with the ghost as Jordan would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's well, awesome. Vance, thanks for, for coming on and sharing. That was probably very good. We, we always get good spiritual advice, but that was also very great practical advice as well. Um, wrapping up, would you mind sharing your, your testimony in, in Spanish and Guadani or however? Sure. So I was thinking about this. I knew you were going to ask. And so I prepared a little bit. I know one sentence in Guadani. So right, I'll throw that in there. We'll, we'll right. see if we can uh, understand it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yo sé que el, el libro de Mormón es la palabra de Dios. He llegado a saber que la iglesia de Jesucristo de los Santos de los últimos días es la iglesia verdadera de Dios aquí en la tierra porque me arrodillé y oré y pregunté a Dios y me lo contestó. Me dijo que me tenía que bautizar. Me dijo que tenía que servir una misión. Y hasta hoy sigo con, con la el sentimiento de que el Espíritu me testificó la verdad. Yo sé que la iglesia es la única iglesia verdadera de Dios. Y Sheaquaja José Smith, Pete y profeta. Llegué a saber al orar y preguntar a Dios. Y si usted puede orar y preguntar a Dios, yo sé que Él te va a testificar a usted también. Y testifico de estas cosas en el nombre de Jesucristo. Amén. 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 Thanks again for coming on. We will wrap this episode up and post this next Sunday. I caught that phrase, by the way. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's something about Joseph Smith, but thank you guys. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs>